Welcome to About the Winelands. In this show, we will be chatting to leaders, influencers, wine producers, restaurants, and other role players. Tune in every week for our latest episode. You will find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram TV, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. Welcome back to About the Winelands. Today we're talking to Jacques Nelson. He's the head winemaker at Jordan in Stellenbosch. Uh, good morning, Jacques, and welcome to About the Winelands. Good morning. Thanks for inviting me. No, thanks for taking your time. Um, I think you guys are, I suppose you guys are quite busy at this stage with everything reopening and stuff like that. Yes, trying to stock up the warehouses all over the country and trying to get exports going out and also... Yeah, now that money is coming in, we can bottle and carry on with production as normal. So how was the lockdown situation for you as a winemaker? Didn't it give you a bit of extra time to actually concentrate on what you want to do? Um, look, during harvest, we still had to carry on because the grapes were still coming in. Okay. Um, so we had to carry on as normal. Um, so for us, it was basically no different. Um, we started to come on, on weekends to our thing. And the second lockdown, um, everything just carried as normal because we still have to work all the vines, um, do all the barrel work. Everything still needs to happen. We have to plan for bottling as if everything is still 100% outside. Um, okay. You can't, can't really plan to bottle less right now, bottle more. Have to just carry on as normal. Can you? Um, how did you? How did you get involved in um, the wine industry? Look, I grew up in a small town called Tilbach. Um, it's about a hundred kilometers from Salamash. And our house was basically we lived on a farm in the vineyards. We only rented the property there, and I grew up in, in the vines. Um, I actually went to study financial management, finished that, and then. My mom said there's an opening at the winery in Tilbach. Um, maybe why are you doing nothing? Because I was lazy to look for work. Start there and harvest. Um, yeah, and I started in harvest and I just always have a passion for wine and vines. And yeah, halfway through harvest, they gave me a permanent position. Um, I was still an intern then. Uh, yeah, and then I just carried on the bug bit me. Um, yeah, then I had to teach myself. And yeah, from Tolbach I moved on to Saxonburg. And from Saxonburg on 1999, I joined uh, Jordan. And I'm still here. So you've been, you've, so, been there quite, you've been there quite a while. Yeah, yeah. It's going, December is 21 years. Wow, so, okay. so it's a good long time. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of uh, Jordan? I think our listeners would be interested in that. Yeah, so... This farm way back when was called Kanonko. So this was the original Kanonko. Um, if you still look at the old ESCOM invoices, it still says Kanonko farm. Um, so Gary and Kathy bought the, or Ted bought the farm in 1982. Um, and Gary and Kathy joined them in the farm. They went to UC Davis to study winemaking as well. They came back. Um, there was a lot of Colomar Shannon, like there was, uh, 
replaced by proper vines. The whole farm was replanted. First wine, commercial wine, was made in 1992, 1993. Um, yes, from there on, the farm just, just grew and all these lovely cultivars was planted. And yeah, now we have a variety of of Cabernet, Merlot, Cab, Frank um, on the red side. We small block of Petit Bidot, some Shiraz. Um, also, some Blanc, Chenin Blanc, Chardonnay, and then the last addition uh, is the Assertico that everyone is talking about. Um, that's going to be up there for the future in about two, three years. No, it's amazing. You, you do produce quite a, a range of wines. Um, when did you start producing bubbly? So, 2015, um, Wade Roger Lunt joined us in 2015, and we decided let's go for the bubbly because um, never done it before. And he obviously had lots of experience with bubbly from working at Siemert with his uncle John Lobsher. Yeah, and all that knowledge uh, put that to work. Yeah, and we we made uh, I think one of the best bubbles that year. Um, Wade went on to win the uh, Diners Club Wine Maker of the Year with that wine. It's quite oh, quite awesome. amazing. Yeah. So what are what bubbles? What MCCs are you producing at the moment? So we only do the one. Um, okay. So we've released a fifteen. Um, that was sold out. That was the first squadron of with 24 months on the lease. And yesterday, we've done the second batch of the 2015, um, which is 56 months on the lease. Wow. So that will be on the market very soon. So, yeah. So we're going, and then we won't release a, a 16, but we'll do a 17 and 18 and then carry on from there. Okay, that's interesting. So, um, you guys, uh, are, are September the 1st is um, the Cap Classic Day, and you're part of this um, Cap Classic Society uh, Association. Are you planning anything yes. special for as a celebration or doing anything for, for this day? Because um, we sold out of the, our first batch of 15, uh, we were not going to be ready to have the newly disgorged um, mm. 46 months for that day, but we've done a lot of marketing on behalf of MCC and for MCC, just in general, uh, just to help her that day. But um, unfortunately, we could not have something on the farm because we don't have the, the wine ready yet. But it'll be shortly after that. Well, that's 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 still good, right? I mean, um, yeah. uh, it's wonderful that that you can you could have um, won this prize with actually with your on, almost like on your first on your first try. So are you finding the actual process of making MCC, do you, uh, you personally, do you like that? Yes, it's, com it's different to making obviously uh, still wine. So it's obviously also a learning curve, um, but it's, it's, it's amazing to see a still, still wine going through the process and then see how it evolve. And the whole reason why we did the bucking into um, the two disgorgement, just to see how it changes over the years. Um, I mean, that first year, as you can always do trials um, on your 12 months, 24 months, and 36 months, as you go along, how the wine evolves and changes and just become better and better and better. 
um, an R56 months, I mean, it is just amazing. Um, yeah, it's something to look forward to with the, the rest of them that's coming out. Well, you've got a lot of experience in winemaking and, and I've produced uh, quite a few quality wines over the years. So how, do you, how would you sum up your um, own winemaking philosophy? Uh, I would like to call it natural. I don't know what other people call it, the way we make wine. But mm -hmm. um, we look after the vines. The, and for me, it's important. We've got Hilton Phipson in the vineyards of Gary's hand on it as well. And the grapes come into the cellar looking amazing and analysis looks good and we try and do as little as possible to to change the way of the grapes uh, they come in they must ferment the way they, they must ferment um, we don't very, work very reductively with uh, somewhere blanc or riesling or chardonnay so everything is more used to oxygen and like our white ones go to barrel without any sulfur on the lease um, from six months to nine months, and sometimes a bit longer on the, the more they reserve stuff. Um, and then the reds, it's all, we work very softly with the, with the grapes. It's all done with pump overs. And yeah, from there on it goes the barrel. We try and put everything into barrel, except our no added sulfur wines. Um, yeah, so for me, it's just a, a natural software of, of working with the grapes. Also, our climate, this southern wash is, about three to four degrees slightly warmer than us so we are slightly cooler and we have all these cool slopes we plant on um, and Gary played around quite a bit with when we planted so we've got this basically plantings on north south west east facing slopes um, so over the years we found the perfect slopes to plant plant our vines and we've made mistakes like any other farm um, but then because we've got a nice big property we can change and get get it on the right spots um yeah well, that's interesting so i think it's a natural more of a natural approach um work with very low sulfurs um yeah like our filtration is very soft we do filter but very soft filtration and trying to maintain the flavors from from what you get from the vineyards wow so um, your wines are, I mean, your wines are also distributed, um, I've been almost everywhere. So where, where, where do you actually sell? Where are your wines marketed? Um, where do you sell your wines? So we, we're about 60% in South Africa, mm -hmm. um, if you're talking in South Africa-wise, but we, and obviously Joburg quite big, Durban and Cape Town is a very big distribution area for us. Um, a lot of our wines end up in restaurants, which is quite nice. And then overseas, we big in the UK, Belgium, Holland, um, not so big in America. We're still working on that. Um, and even as far as Russia, I mean, we sell a lot of our Riesling wow. goes to Russia and a lot of the Riesling goes to Germany. Um, yeah, so we, we basically everywhere. <laughs> we'll try to be. Selling Riesling to Germany is quite a feat. Yeah. They like something different. They love their recents and they love something different. So. <laughs> Interesting. So um, you also have a wine club called the Insiders Wine Club. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Um, so it's limited, limited amount of members. I think at the moment it's, it's full, so no one can join at the moment. Mm -hmm. But yeah, um, people 
we send out newsletters. We make special wines just for the wine club, um, for the insiders. We'll bottle three or four very special, very good barrels that is top quality, reserve quality. And we sell it only to the insider members. And then obviously the insider members get a certain percentage discount when they, when they enter. And yeah, throughout the year, we have events on the farm where we invite insider members. We have tastings. We taste old vintages, uh, old lineups. Uh, quite very interesting. Last year, we did a nice tasting where we had cork versus crew cap of older wines as well. People, people see the difference. So it's quite nice, some that's technical, and it's just for the average guy on the street that ranges in the wine to learn something and to, to gain something through this whole inside the club. We also have um, members in Joburg, and we'll go up and do an event on that side as well, wow. just to give them uh, a taste of what's going on in Cape Town. So, yeah, so if the club's full, how do we get in, right? Can we bribe ourselves in or what? what is? <laughs> uh, if, you, if you bribe, you can get in. <laughs> now, there's always a gap or two opening. Um, okay. But people must just must try. There's always one okay. or two members that laps or we might open it up again later on. But it's just for now, we, we just captured a bit. Yeah. So the other thing is, you mentioned that you have quite a big property and there's a lot of things going on at Jordan. I mean, um, can you give us just a short overview of uh, when a visitor comes to the estate, what um, they can experience? Yes, um, so we've got George Jardine, the mm -hmm. restaurant on the farm. Um, and most people that walk in here at night, they expect to have a nice dinner at George. Um, and he's, I mean, he's an amazing chef. Mm -hmm. um, then we have our bakery. We call it a bakery, but it evolved from a bakery into a full-blown restaurant uh, where we serve burgers and you name it. It's it's on the on the list and it's linked to our taste room. So wines is easily accessible from taste room all the way through to the bakery. They're all linked together and they all work well together. We have two massive wooden decks on the lawn that overlook the dam and all of the valley of Salamosh. Um, people love coming here on a weekend or on a weekday and just have a quick lunch, have some wine, go back to work if you still can. Um, yes, and then we have our taste room with all the staff. And then we also have accommodation, um, very high-end accommodation with 12, or 12 uh, um, guest houses you can stay on. And then at the moment, as I see this morning, there's a massive crowd of mountain bikers because uh, we link to the Bottler Ray mountain bike route. Okay. So, so it's a stopping point or starting point for people with that cycle. So they park their vehicles here, they go for a nice cycle on the route, and then they come back and enjoy either late breakfast or sometimes lunch uh, or meet their families here. And then from there on, they, they go on the rest of the day. So it's a... Yeah, it's a very nice, you can come in and do sport or just relax for the day and enjoy wine. The other thing I noticed is that you have a conference um, uh, event facilities. Yes, I'm actually currently sitting in the conference room. Mm -hmm. um, it's for small, small conferences um, and it's linked directly into the, the bakery. Kitchen, uh, not to the kitchen, but uh, mm -hmm. the bakery. And yeah, it's, uh, it's quite nice. Um, 
lot of high-end guest bookets because you can break for tea, you're in the bakery, and you have this amazing views down the valley. And it's very well priced, so people enjoy it. <laughs> okay, awesome. So I want to ask you also, I'm not sure how familiar you are with this, but I've noticed that the company also, the, the state also owns a restaurant in London in Highcomber Street. Yes, very familiar with that. So okay. Gary and Kathy uh, owns that with Nadine Strauss, their partner there. Um, yes, and there's a direct, direct link to us. Um, it's an amazing restaurant. It's in the banking district on the Thames. Mm -hmm. um, quite nice. Banks are closed on weekends, so they're fully operational through the week, and then weekends, they, they're on weekend. <laughs> so, but really it, nice. it's very nice. It's yeah, always that, full. That area is very nice to capture the um, the business market um, uh, yes. lunches. So do they, is, is that, a, um, the idea of that also, is is that a big, um, I actually haven't been to, I know, I know where it is, but I actually haven't been there. Is this a, a big um, um, offset point for your um, wines? It is, a, it is a big offset, but they're also trying to support the whole wine industry from South Africa. So you'll find Ebron uh -huh. Wines is on the list. Um, and lots of winemakers from here, if they go overseas and do a wine dinner or lunch, um, they find most of the wines in the in the restaurant, and it's easy just to, to perform a quick wine lunch with your wines readily available for all the vintages. Um, so we support we support the South African wine market with with that restaurant, um, oh. and I think a lot of people see it as a restaurant at home, away from home. That's very interesting. So you guys also have a travel company, which I assume brings um, tour groups to South Africa to your to your place, um, a nine yards travel. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Um, not at the moment. There's obviously no traveling. <laughs> That's true, right? <laughs> yes, but we the company is. I mean, we're slowly starting up, going again. Um, so we book. Accommodation, we book trips, book tours, everything through the through knowing us travel. Um, and it's so nice because you want to do wine tours. Um, the lady running it is based in the office and she can quickly check restaurant availabilities, everything, and she can book the whole tour plan, everything for you, not only in the winelands, but anywhere in South Africa. I was wondering um, about that. So you give the tourists an experience because most people that would come to South Africa would maybe spend a week in Cape Town, but they also would probably go on safari or something if they travel, yeah, yeah. you know, coming yes, all most, the way. So, so it's a great service that you guys are providing. Yeah, you know, most people book three, four days in the winelands and then the rest is safari. So yeah. that's almost all the bookings that come through. Okay, so that's a nice yeah. add-on business for you guys. That, that's amazing. Yeah. So and we're we touching into... My, mm -hmm doing bookings for um, cycling tours, people that want to come and cycle here. Yeah? Okay. Um, groups of cyclists and then from there on, uh, tackling all the islands with all the nice routes and then have accommodation to stay. Don't have to plan or worry, everything is uh, sorted for you. Oh, that's awesome. You mentioned that yeah. the travel company is closed at the moment, which brings us to the next thing, which is um, um, obviously the coronavirus. Um, yes. And, uh, you know, it's forced all of us to rethink our business models. Do you guys have any new ideas or changes that's, you know, that's happening? Um, luckily, we, about a year ago, we started thinking about, uh, we call it just the DTC, direct-to-consumer. Mm -hmm. um, we're online, we're directly dealing with, with customers 
Dorada purchased wine online um, all over the country. And then we work with delivery companies to get the wine to them. People just feel less exposed currently just to order online to have the wine delivered in a mm. very safe, safe manner. Um, so that's, that's one approach we take. Obviously, we want people coming to the farm. We want people enjoying the scenery in a, in a safe way. But there is people out there that still feel like um, it's a bit of a risk. Um, so we cater for that currently. I think there's, there's a huge advantage in, in this direct-to-consumer model in that you know exactly who's buying your wine, whereas if it's bought through a restaurant or retail store, you know, they basically become your customer because you don't really know yes. who the end consumer is. In this yeah, case... And you have, hmm. you have that contact detail, so if you can always contact them again. You build that database, and I think in this environment now, database is probably the most valuable property you can have. I, I, I totally agree with you and um, the other thing is uh, what I'm wondering is um, you know that changes your communication because um, your communication with a distributor like a restaurant or a retail store or you know or third-party distributor is completely different than your communication model with the end consumer so how do you what, what platforms and how do you actually make sure that you I mean you mentioned people visiting the farm which is obviously the best way but how do, you, how do you actually, you know, make sure you communicate with that end customer all the time? We've got a, a big CRM system that we um, report who buys, what they buy, and we have um, all that knowledge stored. And then we've got a lot of people on the farm that work here and from the homes, and they're constantly in contact with people. They know what they bought before. Mm-hmm. So you can buy them and say, do you have more wine? Do you need wine? Um, so we build up quite a big database with records of what they they like and what they don't like, um, and it's constantly phoning. It's um, so you actually actually just um, um, uh, follow up with people directly, which is absolutely awesome. So yeah, and people love getting a phone call rather than an email because it's more personal, and it's not a telemarketing phone call. It's just a follow up. Do you have enough wine? Um, and it's easy to, to get. I mean, it's a quick process and the wine is at your door. I think um, it's also, um, I'm also so important that you actually do that because, um, you know, lots of time it's easy to, 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 to get in, into a social media trap and just um, start posting stuff, but not really engaging with um, people that have actually, you know, um, um, you need to engage with. And, and actually making a personal phone call is just uh, that little step further um, um, I suppose you guys are, are very active on social media as well, of course, to get your story out. Yes, yes. But okay. um, yeah, social media is just a visual thing. I mean, that interaction with the customer is very important. Yeah. Um, I think customers enjoy it. Um, they like yeah, absolutely. to I mean, this, speak to us. And um, yeah, so um, shock yourself. Um, your wine journey has like, been interesting and long, and, and you've been at, at Jordan a few years. What's the most important thing that you've learned in your journey? Um, well, this year I've learned winemaking this year is 50% planning and the other 50% is just thinking out of the box. <laughs> but every, every year is different. Um, I haven't been here, I mean, 21 years, every single year is different, vintage is different. We've been slack from coronavirus to extreme drought, 
um, the very difficult vintages, very positive vintages, and every year um, we do our best to make the best wine we can. Um, so I've learned that you can't really plan too far ahead, but you must just be ready for what's coming. Um, that's that's all I can say. <laughs> oh, that's 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 great. So I, I ask every single person that I do a podcast with to give us their um, own wine quote, but because it's um, MCC uh, day on the first, you've got to come up with, a, you've got to give us an MCC quote. Mm, MCC quote. Um, memories are made from empty bottles, not full bottles. So make sure your, your bottle is empty when you okay. drink bubbles. I love and it won't that. last. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, yeah. if, if people want to get hold of Jordan, how did they get hold of you guys? Um, kind of the, uh, on the website, there's a fastest way. Um, and on social media, that's, someone will definitely get back to you. Um, okay. Yeah, our website's up and running, and it's jordanwines.com. So that's it. So now I'll give one more, I was going to say one, one thing. Obviously, we open up for public, and alcohol is allowed. Um, and it's very important for us to have a bakery and a restaurant on the farm so people don't just come here and drink wine and is on irresponsible. That's why we, we always offer food with the wine and we make sure everyone is responsible. I think that's important at the moment, um, seeing what's going on in the news. Mm-hmm. Um, if everyone's not responsible, we don't want the government to lock down and ban booze again because then we're all going to lose a lot of business and a lot of jobs. It's important. So I think, uh, especially with MCC Day, we must just keep in mind to be responsible uh, with drinking and enjoying our wine. I think those are wise words. And I think, you know, that, that it's great that, um, I think that's a communication that, that, that needs to come from the industry, because, but I'm sure it will because of the, you know, the current situation. But uh, Jacques, thank you very much for, for actually um, spending the time with us. It's been quite interesting. I'm sure our um, listeners will enjoy it. And um, yes, have a, have a great day and um, we'll speak again. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks for letting me speak on your, on your show. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Thank you for supporting our show. If you would like to get more exposure for your business, please have a look at our sponsorship options. Thanks again for supporting About the Winelands. Please follow us on YouTube and on our social media channels. All details and links are in the description.